Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. It's the future, Natalie. You could be halfway across the world and we can record an episode. Over a long distance telephone call? That's right. I'm going to go to Singapore next week and record over there. Ooh, uh, okay. And chew some gum. Let's see what happens. Are you billing the network? Yep. (laughs) (laughs) It's for um, enrichment purposes. That's right. (laughs) Yeah, my my grandma... um, I was just saying to Amber, my grandmother just told me when the government shuts down that she doesn't get her Social Security and military people don't get their checks, but the people in the government get their checks still when the government shuts down. Wow. Which I thought was really cool. I thought that was like fun, a fun fact for everybody today. We should send the government off to war. I think next war, because we're kind of in a cold war right now, we're all upset. Send the government, send those guys in suits and ties, give them a gun and go out in the desert or wherever we're going next. You figure it out, Hoss. Oof. I, you know, if you did pay-per-view, like, recordings of that, we, I think we could, like, fix the debt in the government, in, the, in, the, in America. Let's pay, pay-per-view, send all of the people of Congress over to fight in the war. That's And then right. people just watch. I don't think that's fun. Welcome to Someplace Underneath. I'm Natalie G. I'm Amber Nelson. Um, no, but like, but what about those trans kids? Am I right? They're, I know. they're the ones messing it up. Making our groceries so high. Ugh, our paying gasoline. for all those surgeries. Oh, I can't believe it. So terrible. Um, that's who I'm going to choose to be mad at today. That's right. Because it's easier if we don't accept that our overlords are all corrupt, right? Right? I know. It's just so much more confusing. Like, my mom lives in Mississippi and she keeps being like, Everything she says about California, I'm like, wait, that's Mrs. She's like, how do you even wash your clothes? Is there even any clean water? And I'm like, mom, I think that about you. Like, what's yeah, the unfortunately, Ed, it is in the like the more poor uh, southern states. That would probably be a much bigger problem. But, you know, the TV, the TV is very uh, seductive. Blast it out loud. Mm. Newsmax. It goes full volume. Oh God! That's that would be that would be an actual like psychological warfare if that was just you were stuck in a room, and that was being played twenty four seven with no way to turn it off or look away. I would put screen. a gun in my ears. Yeah, I might. 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just get it to stop. Ah, fun. But that's um, what they listen to. But, you know, we're not talking about Fox News. No, let's, let's not. Um, <laughs> let's talk about something worse, right. I guess. Uh, we are in, right in the middle of this series, uh, which is parasocial exploitation. And we've been talking about the rollout, the aftermath, whatever you want to call it, of what has happened with Ruby Frankie, a former mommy vlogger who we covered last season, who has now been arrested for aggravated child abuse and is in jail along with her business coach, life partner, friend, sister, uh, Jody Hildebrandt. Right. Right. I, again, I don't think that it's, it's, I think that Jody, uh, coerces women if they are sexual relationships. I don't think that they're like willing, um, necessarily. It's that mind, it's like that sort of thing we were talking about with Tiger King where it's sort of like a mind manipulation into being gay in those moments. Yeah. So the churches are correct. <laughs> it's they're they're, mo- they're they're morphing your children's minds. Um no, it's not it's not what's happening. Jody Jody Hildebrandt is an extension of Ruby Frankie in that we're now seeing this person who has latched onto this mommy vlogger who has her own extensive history of like really heinous acts. And we're kind of getting um, a big overview into how all of these elements are playing together to create horrible crimes. And the LDS Church is also a big part of this. So last week we discussed Jody Hildebrandt's nibbling, whose name is Jesse. And this week I wanted to talk about another one of Jody's victims who has come forward and spoken very publicly about. His experience, and his name is Adam Paul Steed. Um, I already knew I was going to title this episode Adam's Song, like the <laughs> Blink-182 song. Blink-182, my dad won't be, let me play video games in the living room. Skateboards. <laughs> yeah, we're yeah. not going to grow up. Listen, when I was in the 2000s, I thought they were whack because I was a music snob. Same. Um, it's funny to call a gross unwashed teenager who drinks Old Crow and smokes dollar store cigarettes a snob, but that's what I was, I guess, for music. Um, Of course, I can absolutely enjoy music from that time now, Um, and I always like the melancholy of that song, but when I went, (laughs) when I was like, oh, this is going to be Adam's song, the, the title, I went over and I was looking at the lyrics to the song, and I started crying. What? To a Blink-182 lyrics list. Natalie, are you going through your period? No, not going through anything uh, interesting, Amber. I don't know what uh, what you're talking about. Nothing's happening over here. Um, No, it it actually, I do think it's actually incredibly fitting to talk about that song in relation to Adam Paul Steed's story because the first few verses are about it's about like self-harm basically and it's about the the hopelessness and that feeling of giving up. And then the end of the song describes looking forward towards better days instead mm. of longing for some far away past before whatever trauma happened to you. So it's that idea of instead of going I wish that I was back at a time before th- something bad happened, mm. saying I I'm looking forward to the days that will be better than today. So oh. 
that, you know, I think that's really beautiful. And I think that's really, really fitting for what Adam has gone through and his story. So if you want to go get into the mood for this horrible tale, that's a good song. <laughs> that's it's mature a good song for a Blink-182 song. That's like very evolved. Uh, yeah, I mean they they have some they have some bangers to be honest. I, I can admit I that now. I'm gonna grow up. Also, maybe you should grow up, and it's good to learn from your past and be a better person. Yeah, I think that you know that's okay, and that's okay to to uh, acknowledge that Blink One Eighty Two has some good thoughts in there, right? Oh my God, Natalie, yep. what are you making me do in this episode? I know. So. I'm incredibly moved by Adam's story and almost as much as I feel anger towards it. Um, this is one of Jody Hildebrand's victims. And I would say that victim, the word victim, doesn't even feel like it does justice to what happened to this person. Um, even worse, he's by far not the only one who has faced the malice of an extremely dangerous and empty woman named Jody Hildebrandt. While most people we cover are describing in, you know, as we do this parasocial exploitation series, usually it's describing the people directly being exploited on social media, right? It's usually the fa- the children of some parent who's, like, made a- a horrible decisions. This is an extension more of that because we come to Jody as Jody was exploiting the exploiter, Ruby. It's a real turducken of exploitation, who exploits this exploiter? Who watches yeah. the Watchmen? Yeah. So we have a woman who was exploiting her children for money on the internet, and a woman came over top and went like, I'm going to now exploit you and your platform you've created through your children's privacy. God, who's um, going to exploit her? Are we exploiting her? Well, I guess the prison system. Right. Um, <laughs> I don't think... She- I do not think she's going to get a, a light sentence at this point. Um, there is a hell of a lot of stuff she's done, and I can only hope that when the trial happens, there will be allowed to have people like Adam and Jesse to be able to testify that this woman is extremely dangerous and has a long pattern of doing this over decades of time. So, because like we said before, um, Amber, when we were talking about Jesse, uh, Jody was really in a bubble of the LDS community and so she was she went deeply unchecked because the church vouched for her over and over again and now that the greater world has an idea of who she is it's she's not going to get the same sort of like light treatment all right because we don't turn the other cheek no 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 no. we are petty and bitter that's right we're bitches (laughs) yeah and we're and we're greasy um so that can be, you know, as we said before, and this happens a lot, things you may read in the news or salacious stories, there can be somebody who is both a victim and a victimizer. So you might see Ruby Frank as a victim a little bit to Jody, but she's also a victimizer. And that, that is actually the, you know, complexity of man <laughs> we all, and woman. We all contain multitudes and people can be both things. So Ruby, who went from exploiting her children to becoming exploited by someone who has hurt an unimaginable number of people, um, has also... It's like a classic monster trope, like in Hollywood. Mm -hmm. I mean, kind of. Except it's real! Yay! (laughs) Before we go into Adam's tale, I have to mention that his longest interview, that was an over a five-hour long interview, had to be legally, forcefully pulled from Mormon stories. 
The host of that show, Dr. John DeLynn, is a clinical and counseling psychologist, as well as an ex-Mormon, who brings on people who've suffered through the church or in some way were connected to the church. He is a great resource who I've used several times before, um, including for Teal Swan's series. He announced just about a week before this recording that we're doing that he had received a temporary restraining order regarding his interview with Adam Steed. And while he doesn't clarify who put out the restraining order, it is presumed to be from the LDS church, which is, to not mince words, fucking disgusting. Um, Because when Adam's story starts to un... Uh, you know, unravel here as we talk, not unravel, unfold. As Adam's story starts to unfold here, we see that the church was really complicit in a lot of things that happened to him. And there is plenty of valid evidence for this. So it's not like the church can come in and be like, this is lies, because there's evidence that he's not lying. Um, But the church has a lot of, they have billions of dollars and they don't want to look bad. And so they use their legal, but at the end of the day, this makes them look really bad. Yeah. To to try to pull that story down. God, why does money always win instead of the right person? It's always money. Yeah. I think that's just how we've formed society, really. Tell me, Natalie. Um, Let me sit you down, child. (laughs) I don't know anything. I don't know. Do I have Um, to rob an oil field or something? Um, maybe not say it on a podcast. Right. Okay, sorry. Yeah. So do a different crime, because people are going to be watching oil fields now, Amber. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Hey, did you know there's a little pink pill? Wait, a what? A little pink pill? Did you say a little pink pill? Yes, the little pink pill. You definitely need to know about this. Are you for real? Just to be clear, you're telling me there's a little pink pill for me? That's right, the little pink pill. And it's called Addy, A-D-D-Y-I, or Flavanserin. Learn more about the little pink pill at addyi.com. See full prescribing information and medication guide, including box warning regarding severe low blood pressure and fainting in certain settings at addy.com slash PI or call 844-PINK-PILL. Good news, ladies. There's more. Addy, the FDA-approved little pink pill, is also affordable and can be shipped directly to your front door. That's right. With insurance coverage, Addy is only $20 per month and $0 after month three. If your insurance doesn't cover Addy, there is still a discount program to get you the best possible price and get free shipping right to your door. So now's the time to ask your doctor about Addy. 
Learn more at Addy.com. That's A-D-D-Y-I.com. Hi, Max. I wanted to share something with you. I wanted to tell you how grateful I am and how you've embraced your sobriety since day one. I'm grateful for how you changed your life. I'm grateful for the love you have for me. I'm grateful for you. Love, Mom. If your loved one is still struggling with addiction, you might not feel like you'll ever get to grateful. But we can show you how. At Karen, we've helped families overcome addiction for 70 years. So if your loved one is ready for something different, visit caron.org slash lost. So the temporary restraining order is likely the LDS Church. It could have been somebody to do with Jody and her legal team because Jody is also a multimillionaire, again, thank you, thanks to the church, and has a powerful legal backing that she's used many times in the past to get out of things that she's done. Um, so hopefully Dr. John DeLynn will be able to re-release that interview. It is really, it's, it's, it's an incredible interview. Adam is really captivating, and he's also got an almost unbelievable story, but it is believable because it happened for sure. Um, I gra- I screen grabbed a very small amount of it before I went down, but I have made a lot of notes already, and I'm using other resources to tell this story. So let me first give you some background of who Adam Paul Steed is. Adam grew up in the LDS church in the 90s. He's currently 41 years old. And he grew up in Idaho, and he was an LDS church member, a faithful church member, and also a Boy Scout. Tragically, Adam Steed was one of the tens of thousands of boys who have come forward saying they were molested while in the Boy Scouts. Oh, God. As of 2020, almost 93,000 sexual abuse claims were filed during this very recent lawsuit. That's like the size of a town. Yeah. Um, I don't, some of you who are listening have probably already watched the documentary Scouts Honor that just came out. It is brutal. It's brutal because while, yeah, there, there's always a chance an adult's going to slip through the cracks and, and, and hurt a kid who shouldn't be near kids, there were very, very clear cover ups of, um, many people because they didn't want the scouts to look bad or lose money. Damn. So they allowed it to happen for generations. Um, this is something that happened to Adam Paul Steed. The well, LDS your father church, got molested, and now your uncle got molested, and your grandfather got molested. Now you're going to get molested. I Sorry. mean, kind of. And it's true, though. But and, and it's not always generational, but it is. it's like if somebody learns that nobody's going to check them, they're going to go back to be a counselor and a leader because they know that they can get away with it. And so that it is sort of an unspoken thing probably for, for predators. Is like, oh, the Boy Scouts, they don't do any checks or anything. Like, I can definitely get away with it here. It, it happened to me. Not every – and I'd like to clarify because Adam Paul Steed says this. Not every child who's molested becomes a molester. We all know this. We know this from – a lot of us from personal experience. But – that can happen sometimes, you know, that you, again, go from victim to victimizer, but not many, many people are abused and then don't go on to do the abuse. Right. Anywho, um, so if you haven't watched Scouts Honor, I totally recommend it. The LDS Church 
is very, and we'll talk about it in a second here, it's largely entrenched in the Boy Scouts. So the LDS Church had a huge hand in the number of men who got um, caught molesting and then was just re-released back into the Boy Scouts. Um, Adam was one of the many victims of both the Scouts and also the LDS Church as a child. So the Boy Scouts have a huge ha- uh, scandal, and this guy, Adam, already had this deeply traumatic experience as a kid that had nothing to do directly with Jody. We're going to get to that. Don't you worry. Oh, man. And from what I've gleaned from the documentary that that I just mentioned, there were whistleblowers from inside the organization and also grown-up scouts. And Adam himself was one of the first teens to publicly come out as a victim. He was like 14 years old. So even though this big lawsuit is happening right now in time, Adam stood up and called out his rapist in like the 90s. Oh my Which was God. almost unheard of. Yeah. yeah. So Adam and his father, and it's largely due to the fact that his father, who was, even though he was in the LDS church, was one of the only people who stood up with him to get this man who was also trying to be um, higher up in the LDS churches along with the scout leader. Everybody took that guy's side and Adam and his father fought and they won the case all the way back in 1997 and the guy went to jail. Wow. Yeah. So he got this, he did this incredibly and almost unbelievably brave thing as a teenager and got the guy in prison. But from then on, his life became tortured because he was still enmeshed in the LDS church and it was partly due to the church's response to him standing up for himself. I mean, like, how do you leave? I mean, like, how do you, like, if you're so, like, raised in this church from a child, you can't just go do something else. You can't just, like, take up skateboarding. You don't know, like, you don't have any connections. You don't know anybody. That for sure. And also, if you're born and bred into this church, you think that, that that's the right thing to do, you know? Like, even yeah. if people are being cruel and horrible to you in there, y- you still think the, the the doctrine, the words are correct. And so why would you leave because people are being mean? Because you're so twisted in, in from such a young age to not realize the people who are being mean are the ones who are, like, making up the shit in the first place. Yeah. You know? Like, it's a trap. So, unfortunately, this is kind of a tale as old as time as far as, especially when it's boy on men molestation the boy a lot of times gets the brunt of shame he gets called slurs he gets called like a ruiner i mean it's ancient it happens it happens yeah yeah and it happens of course to all genders of kids it's it's very traumatic in many ways for all kids but in the 90s he was very specifically like beat up in school called the f slur for literally saying, I want this man to go to jail for sexually assaulting me. Oh, my God. Um, yeah. So, you know, I could do a, an entire Boy Scouts episode, <laughs> truly, on its own. But this is not where Jody comes in, at least not directly. So what do the Boy Scouts, the LDS Church, and Jody Hildebrand have to do with Adam's suffering? So the Boy Scouts are not directly LDS-affiliated. As in, they didn't start the Boy Scouts. It's not a directly Mormon organization. Yeah, you could be Catholic in the Boy Scouts. You can be Jewish. You can be secular. Um, However, 
while the Boy Scouts are technically secular, it is blanketed in religion and religious speak. And so it is something that appeals to a lot of church communities. I heard that I you would, have to be religious. Like you can't be an atheist in the Boy Scouts. It's not it's it's weird for an atheist to not weird, but like it would be they would act like you were weird if you went to the Boy Scouts and you were like an atheist. Right. Um, probably also they, there's probably also a lot of discrimination for like. Muslim kids or anybody else who would come in, even though it's like, they're welcome, but they're like, are, are they? Um, I, I personally was only a brownie. Were you ever a scout or anything, Amber? No, I wanted to be, but we moved around so much. And I remember crying so much because I was signed up for it and my, we left. And I was like, but I want to be a brownie. But whatever. I, you know, what? A, I, it's not like that big of a story. I think it is. I, I hear you and validate you. Amber. I'm going to write a book, Natalie. <laughs> I My mom would let me be a brownie. <laughs> um, yeah, I was uh, – that's a young – so brownie is basically like a Cub Scout. It's like the young pre-girl, Girl Scout. Girl, it's the young pre-Girl Scout Scout. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, and I did that for two years. I had fun in it mostly because we got to um, eat snacks. Uh, and I went to camp for two summers. Oh. I had a, also – I had a predominantly good time there. Um I think that it was – I was so young, there wasn't, you know, we just did little thing like little field trips and stuff. Um, and I don't have any memory of it being religious beyond the occasional references in the stories that we'd read, like parables and stuff. Um, but also then the Girl Scout motto is, on my honor, I will try to serve God in my country and to live by the Girl Scout laws. Did they give you a gun, Natalie? That sounds like they're about to give you an AK-47. Well, that's also a lot of reason why I think churches really enjoy that the scouting because it teaches kids to be like uniform, stand in line, don't act out, don't be have like wild personality. And that's I'm talking about traditional. I don't really I can't speak to the Girl Scouts now. There's probably really good programs now as it's progressed or whatever. Um, but I'm talking about back in the 90s, back in the 80s, you know, 60s. This was a way to be, make kids militant, which I think churches love. They love it. Um, I, a lot of the time. I guess it's good to an extent. Like, not everybody should move to New York and be an artist. Imagine how insufferable the world would be. Like, maybe let's get some office workers, you know? Sure. I'm. You know, I think that there's probably great things to draw from scouts. I had one of my exes was like, went really far up in the scouts. I forget what the adult ones are called. He didn't do any molesting. But he uh he he had a great time and there was like a lot of like wilderness training and all that stuff. So I'm not like trying to shit on any scouting people who right. have positive experiences basically. Um but like I said, it's an institution that draws religious organizations to it because it's considered wholesome. It's super patriotic, which churches love. They love to be like America, especially the LDS church, which is like Jesus was white and he's from Idaho. Right. Um, so, so while many churches approve of the scouts, the LDS church pipelined their kids into the scouts. It was considered youth church activity. Adam, who grew up in LDS heavy Idaho, describes being sent there at eight which was just what the kids did at the church. It was just the kids went there. So it would have been weird, if, for example, if a kid didn't start doing scouts in his right. community. It was like an extension of their church life. So the church was very much a part of pushing kids to the scouts. 
Even though you can't at the moment watch his interview, you can access a documentary called Church in the Fourth Estate, which is largely a doc that it, uh, played at Sundance, and it's a story of Adam coming forward to report his rapist as a teenager. His rapist's name is Brad Stowell. Name and in- names, Natalie. Oh, yeah. He's in jail. He's like he's oh, a convicted pedophile. Fuck um, him. Yeah. So he came forward to report this man in 1997, and the documentary talks about how it affected his life. And also in the documentary, it expresses very clearly how the church tried to make him not report the man. So basically the Cliff's Notes of that doc, are there still Cliff's Notes? People know what the fuck Cliff's Notes are? Oh, like that little book where you can just kind of skim through and you get like Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. You... There must not be because you can just do that on the internet now. Yeah, that's all the internet is. Cliff's Notes used to be books that you could buy that like if you didn't want to. I never did because I loved reading. That was one of the only things I was really good at in school. But Nerd if, if alert. Wanna... Yeah, I know. I'm like kind of a nerd girl. <laughs> um, there, like if you didn't want to read like all of Moby Dick, it would give you like the rundown. Yeah. So... You called him Ishmael. <laughs> right, exactly. That's all you need to know. Yep. Um, so the no- the Cliff's notes of that doc is that after Adam had been assaulted by this camp leader who had groomed him completely, uh, the man was also becoming a seminary teacher for the LDS church. No. When a- yeah, it's cool. When Adam first reported to the church elders that this man had sexually assaulted him multiple times, um, the elders in the church told him to not tell his parents or the police that they would take care of it. They took care of it by sending this man to an LDS bishop who asked if he was still going to rape kids, and he said no. He repented, and then they sent him back out to the scouts. Fuck that. So when young Adam saw... Because at first he didn't tell his parents and tell the police. He trusted his elders. He trusted the bishops in church. When he saw they weren't going to stop this man, he was who he had learned at this point was also raping his friends. Um, he went, I'm telling the police himself. He said, I'm telling the police myself. Um, he gathered a bunch of different boys who were willing to conf- like tell him the truth about what happened to them too. And he got the police to come in and arrest this guy. But church elders did everything they could to repress this story. And they were moderately successful because they were, um, there were LDS members in local courts everywhere. They, there were LDS infiltrate, infiltrations all over this place. So when this happened, he got the man convicted, but he was looked at as a menace. And again, he was spent most of his teen years and adult life being called gay slurs. And since he had been raped and had, quote, rocked the boat by reporting it, he was looked at as the problem. This mentality was further amplified by both the LDS Church and the Boy Scouts' assertion that it wasn't predators who were causing problems in the Scouts, it was homosexuals. This documentary was released in 2020, although all of this was taking place, like I said, in the late 90s. I also want to add that Adam and his father... And really, his father, again, was the only LDS member who actually exhibited godly behavior by standing up for his fucking son. Yeah. The two of them eventually helped get the statute of limitations changed regarding how many years child abuse can be reported and presented in court. I feel like that should be forever. 
Like if you well, were like if you're 50 and you're like at 14 years old I was raped, you should be like, yeah, get him. Yeah, I, I mean, of course. And the statute technically the statute of limitations about sexual assault between adults was 50 years at that point, but for children who were getting molested, they had 5 years to report it before the pedophile was just released from any wrongdoing. And that's why they probably had the LDS people in the in the uh, what do you call it the 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 lawyer people, the judges, the courts. I, they I made mean, the rules. It, it seems like a really pointed thing to put on the books as a law, almost as if people who are child molesters were making the law in the first place. I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy. Oh my god, so, is QAnon right? Are we run by child molesters, Natalie? Well, there are them everywhere, but the church is one of the most deeply yeah. because they don't they they don't report it. Child molesters are in every facet of the world because we don't know how to deal with it psychologically at this point in time. But the, they go to the places where they're going to be protected the most. Boy Scouts in the church are two of those places, unfortunately. Yeah. So um, five years used to be, but Adam and his father fought and fought to get that changed and they were successful because that, think about this. If you were molested at age eight and you weren't able to talk about it in court by the time you were 13, by the time you could process that happening, go through the experience of understanding you were molested, being afraid of like working through the fear of like facing the molester, going to court, filing all this stuff, even understanding that you had rights. Yeah. You were shit out of luck until Adam and his father changed the law. Oh my God. Imagine like an eight-year-old being like, yes, I like in court, just like, yo, Anna, like they can't do that. No, it's, it, it's absolutely, un, it's almost unfathomable. So the only reason he even got that man in jail, Brad Stoll's, um, is because he was so brave to testify against him at age 14. That is so rare that somebody can do that. It's so, I cannot express to you how incredibly difficult that must have been in the best of circumstances. But here in Idaho in the 90s, wow. as a 14-year-old, him doing that, he would become a pariah. Because, you know, he would be seen as attacking a church member. A I mean, adults are physically bigger than you. It'd be like if I went and attacked giants, you know? Yeah. It's like, I'm but taking then, you to court and they could just like squash me. But then all the giants went, how dare you hurt my, our giant friends? How right. dare you? And also in that time period, it was, the 90s were like deeply misogynistic. I think he would have been seen as, it would have been like he, it was his fault somehow as a young boy. Yeah. You know, like, I just think that they would have just seen the molestation. Like, he was probably asking for it. Very He's 1900s. probably gay. He's probably gay, yeah. So all of this is disgusting, but unfortunately so much more happened to this man after this. No. So that is all pre-Jody Hildebrandt. All of that happened before this. Um, even through all of the mistreatment, he remained a faithful member of the LDS church. Like we said, he didn't know anything different, and he believed in the the word, the scripture, the doctrine. He did all the things a good little Mormon boy was supposed to do. He met and courted a Mormon girl in good standing. He enrolled in Brigham Young University, which I, I've said on other episodes is like basically where you're supposed to go as an LDS. I've had a couple people 
right in and say, you're not, you don't have to go to BYU, you can go to any college. And yes, I think that's true, but also it is, if you especially are in Utah and Idaho in those communities, you are heavily encouraged and also probably pressured by your family a lot of the time to go to very specific universities that are Mormon approved, right? So he went, he did it. Even though he still had a stigma attached to him and had continuously been harassed by several elders for fucking up the scouts in the LDS church by like, you know, getting this man arrested. There was specifically a man named Elder Harold G. Hillam who basically tried to ruin his life beyond that point. What a Um, fucking loser. What's this old man doing like trauma, like bullying a child? Grow up. You know, I think probably he was a, a man with many secrets. I'm just going to say that. He's thankfully dead. Um, good. I don't mean to say that, but, like, I don't think that he was a good person. Um, no. And he also had uh, something to do with the scouts as well. And so I think he resented that Adam would dare challenge right. his beautiful scouts and his just, you know, because when you're an elder, I think, in this community, you're treated as – literally a voice for God who like God directly zaps down from the sky and whispers upon your ear. And so and he probably was he, mistreated as a child too. And he was like, now I get to be an elder. Now I get my power. Sure. Yeah, sure. Probably. It's again, victims becoming the, the perpetrator. But I get the impression a lot of these elders get very angry at anybody challenging that they might be wrong about something. Because they're not supposed to be wrong about anything. I'm the older one. I'm the boomer. I'm the one who God whispers into my ear is liter- is what they fucking say. Crazy. These God comes crazy. down and goes like, hello, Elder Hillam. You're so <laughs> handsome today. You're so smart. You must tell the people. You must go get that menace, Adam, for speaking out. That's right. God says I'm great. God says I'm the best. Um... So even through all of this, Adam manages to lock in this very good Mormon girl whose father was a general authority, which is another stupid sounding thing, but is important in the LDS social structure. So he ended up marrying high, like a high quality LDS woman, even though he had this stigma attached to him. Is this the, the guy you yeah, sent me the picture? This is the I should I post I put a picture into our script of the elder Hillam and look how fuck look at his little shitting grin in this picture. He looks like a skeleton with like a butter mask, like a melting butter mask. It's just it's just so absurd as somebody from the bigger world looking at this man being like, oh, yeah, this guy's the one who talks to the creator of the universe for sure. Mm. Yeah, it looks like he would him. shake my hand and then like paw it with his middle finger, like like finger my my palm. Oh yeah, sweaty sweaty little fingers. Ew. Yeah. Oh yeah. <clears throat> Definitely. Hey, I'm Elder Hillam. Yeah. God talks to me. Ugh. So um, I think the devil talks to him. Actually, I don't not know. The, devil. the devil's co- too cool to talk to this guy. Um, <laughs> I believe. Like- and, like, I should, like, preface, I know I'm, like, shitting on this person I've never met, I don't know anything about. Shit on him. I believe there's such a thing as a learning curve, and I believe people can, and I support people wanting to grow and change and learn. I try to grow and change and learn all the time because I think you should until you die. But this kind of guy 
refuses to learn or change. And like, I really think willful ignorance is one of the most vile, vile character traits. I hate it. It's just like, put my feet in the ground. You come to me. I won't do anything. I'm the best. I'm not going to look at anything. No, I've already decided what's real. Like that shit. Mm -mm. That ages you so fast. Like you get old. It's kind of a sense of like a, a state of mind. When you just dig totally. your feet in the ground, you come to me. I'm not going, nah, I hate uh, it. Yeah, I hate it too. I think you should be trying to be a student until you're, you're dropped dead. Like, I just think that that's the way it should be personally. And I think we all have little bits of that through confirmation bias and we can all like exhibit. But I'm haunted by the idea of ever being like, like afflicted with just being like, no, I know it. All of the things and y'all wrong. Like, I try to not ever, I hope I, I hope I never act like that. But no. Um, Adam gets married to his first wife. I know I'm really rattling on. I don't know. I'm very talky today. I hope nobody minds out there. I'm sorry, Amber. Good. Um, I like it. Fuck this guy. (laughs) So Adam gets married to his first wife that we just said he locked in this like very upstanding young Mormon woman. And they got married really young, which is the Mormon way. And they moved from Idaho to Utah so that Adam can attend Brigham Young University. He doesn't use her name ever because there's no they're no longer together and he doesn't want to bring attention to her. So she'll just be called his wife in this. He starts school and he and his child bride, he's also a child I should mention. I'm I'm that was uh, and to say that they were both very young. Right. He's he's not an adult with a child bride. They were both young. So they start having problems because they were kids when they got married and they shouldn't have probably gotten married young because that's a lot of people shouldn't. Um, and so they have normal marital problems. Um, he, you know, as a kid, she's a kid. Th- th- he never clarifies exactly what their issues are, but he insinuates that they were nothing very out of the ordinary. You know, just m- normal young people marriage issues, nothing extreme. Like they would need help with. So because LDS is so invasive with its members, personal lives. We've already mentioned in the last uh, episode that the church is guilty of recommending therapists and programs to its members when they come to their bishops with like, I need mental help, which is already a conflict of interest. But this is what happened to Adam and his wife. So (laughs) the the church recommends people who they're also like making money off of. If I'm not right. being clear enough about, they're this. not the best therapists. They're just probably the most malleable to their own opinions, and then just yes. you know, LDS, 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 like yes. yeah, not an actual therapist. No, <laughs> oftentimes not. I mean, some of them do have degrees, but a lot of them are from the two universities uh, that are LDS approved. And I, I, you know, again, I have questions about those. Um, I have questions about those programs, personally. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide 
at bp.com slash investing in America. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hey, did you know there's a little pink pill? Wait. A what? A little pink pill? Did you say a little pink pill? Yes, the little pink pill. You definitely need to know about this. Are you for real? Just to be clear, you're telling me there's a little pink pill for me? That's right. The little pink pill. And it's called Addy. A-D-D-Y-I. Or Flavanserin. Learn more about the little pink pill at addyi.com. See full prescribing information and medication guide, including boxed warning regarding severe low blood pressure and fainting in certain settings at addy.com slash pi. Or call 844-PINK-PILL. Good news, ladies. There's more. Addy, the FDA-approved Little Pink Pill, is also affordable and can be shipped directly to your front door. That's right. With insurance coverage, Addy is only $20 per month and $0 after month three. If your insurance doesn't cover Addy, there is still a discount program to get you the best possible price and get free shipping right to your door. So now's the time to ask your doctor about Addy. Learn more at Addy.com. That's A-D-D-Y-I.com. Hey, Mom. First things first, thank you. It's my one-year anniversary of my decision to say, yes, I need help, and yes, I choose me. And that's the miracle. I'm lucky that the strongest person I know is my own mother. Love you, Mom. Maxwell. Be that strong person who makes the difference. If your loved one is struggling with drugs and alcohol, reach out to Karen for a different kind of addiction treatment. Visit caron.org slash lost. This is what happens to Adam and his wife when they approach their bishop. The, God, the bishop they have, they say, hey, we're having some marital issues. And the bishop goes, oh, I have this incredible place. Uh, this place called Lifestar, which is something we're going to get into, what Lifestar is. Uh, guess who just happens to co-own that business? Who? The bishop's brother. Oh, the bishop's brother, ladies and gentlemen. It's just so, more money laundering. And again, they yeah. have the money, so then they get to make all the power. Beyond it being money laundering, there's another big issue with what Lifestar is. Here, here's the mission statement of Lifestar. For over 20 years, Lifestar has been helping individuals, spouses, and families heal from the devastating effects of pornography addiction and other sexually compulsive behaviors. Through an innovative and proven three-phase treatment program, this intensive outpatient group therapy approach gives participants the resources, support, and structure needed to experience a successful recovery from the damaging effects of pornography and sexual addiction. Okay. okay. They sound like a bunch of losers. <laughs> you guys are a bunch of losers. Um, <laughs> they are maybe... Question mark. I want to clarify that Lifestar is an exclusively LDS organization. I don't think you technically need to be Mormon to go there, but this operates on only LDS people, predominantly men. It is a pipeline, again, from the church to this organization. 
There are so many reasons why this organization is dangerous and harmful. And one of them is that even though they are now, as an organization, trying to backpedal on some of the stuff they said, for the majority of its existence, they've operated on not medical research or science, but on the doctrines of specifically the LDS church. And within the LDS doctrine, masturbating once a month is bad. Thinking about a boob is bad. Looking at a lingerie catalog is bad and is considered sexual addiction. Being gay is unforgivable, of course. These things are akin to sex crimes within the LDS church and as such within Lifestar. So I'm going to guess that they probably found out about his past and they're like, oh, he's been rocking the boat. Let's fuck his life up. Well, it's kind of along that. Yeah, you're not too far off. I'm jumping the shark here. But it's also like, um, you know, oh, I looked at a a Playboy, sorry, like a Victoria's Secret magazine. That's the same as like raping my sister. Yes. I mean, truly. And this is based on the uh, testimony of many Mormons I've watched and listened to, ex-Mormons mostly, who've, who've provided evidence. So I can only say this from watching and learning from other people. I'm not, I've never been an LDS member, but... Their lifestyle has not been hiding this. And now when you go and look at their questions about if you're a sex addict, they are first off very vague. Um, they could they, they don't actually say anything because you could answer yes to many of the questions and it wouldn't still mean anything. Also, they're now saying they have, oh, God, they have a teen branch of it uh, oh. called Life Teen, I think. And it is like saying if you masturbate more than twice a week, you need to be you need help in the program. A teenager, a teenager. That's crazy. This is like Footloose territory. Remember, like the scene in Footloose, like the dad who admitted he had like a chastity belt as a kid. Yeah, but you remember what happened at the end? They all find the joy of dance. So maybe at the end of this movie, they would all just come into a big fountain together, right? (laughs) Um, so yeah, I, uh, it's, it's, uh, I'm not a doctor. Many doctors have spoken out against this. You can find many people criticizing this. When Lifestar talks about sexual addiction, they're talking about either I look at porn a couple times a month, once a month, or I like run into people's homes and come on them while they're like I hold them down so those are basically the same things in in the wow. mindset of this so when Lifestar talks about sexual addiction it's not recognized in the way they're portraying it by most mental health professionals if a person has compulsion issues like they're unable to stop themselves from watching porn eight hours a day or can't stop masturbating 20 times every single day they can't you know, leave the house until they've come like a hundred times. That would be considered like a compulsion issue. It's not technically called sex addiction. Lifestar in the LDS church considers sex addiction thinking about sex or watching any porn ever. So they want you to have never have sexual thoughts other than when you are laying flat over your married straight partner in complete darkness, thinking about how grateful you are at this chance to conceive one of God's children. What a prison for a human being to be in. Almost like it'll make you insane. Yeah. 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 Like, I think why that, not? Why do I even exist? Just like replace humans with robots. That would be easier for you guys. 
It would be. And this it's not a feasible for most people. Some people are asexual, but for most human beings, this is not a feasible goal. And it's also not unhealthy to have sexual thoughts. It's just not. It's not unhealthy. So, you it's know, very healthy. They, that, that, sorry, that means you're like eating nutritionally and like like do taking care of yourself. If you're like, ooh, I, I'm kind of horny today. I'm feeling like a little okay. Yeah, yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, and, you know, of course, there can be things that are like have a, having un- unhealthy sexual behaviors and stuff like that. It's different from having sexual thoughts. Um, and so, you know, they call it the missionary position for a reason. It's supposed to be very like it's supposed to be like sort of like fish slapping each other and just being like, thank you, God, for this chance to create life. Um, so Ugh. this is simply not how the human brain is wired. But one of the many reasons a person would be sent to Life Star would be because they had looked at porn and confessed to it, especially 10, 20, 15, you know, 30 years ago. Just like weed is considered a, quote, gateway drug by squares and idiots, <laughs> Adam would be told along with his peers that looking at five-minute clip of a Playboy.com movie would eventually lead to ending up, you know, coming to under a train trestle, getting blown by someone with no teeth, unsure of whether you had AIDS, as Adam succinctly put it in an interview. So he's basically being told by his church and by this community that if you if you masturbate looking at a woman's breast, consenting woman's breast online, you're going to end up, you know, shooting up heroin under a bridge. Um, Sad life. Yeah. And if your frame of reference is telling you this, and I'm sure, I'm fairly sure that his PTSD from all of his childhood assaults were also plaguing him with guilt because that's what people, that's what happens. And also the people around him thought he was bad for doing it. Of course he would need a desperate intervention for having masturbation thoughts. He was... He says he is open. He talks openly about it, what happened to him. And he says he looked at porn about once a month at the time. Porn. Can you believe it? Oh, my God. Can you God. believe him, this sick man? So Lifestar is a problem all on its own. And guess who was a counselor through Lifestar? Jody Hildebrandt. Yay. I should say Jody Nan Hildebrandt. That's her middle name. But not only did Jody love the shame spiral that Lifestar provided along with the LDS church, she said, yes, and I'm going to make this way worse. So Jody operates in this already unethical circle. And then inside of this, her darkness contains multitudes. Adam and his former wife end up being counseled by Jody through this process of this trying to get marital issue help. Obviously, I think without him saying it, his wife was upset that he was caught masturbating. And so they go see Lifestar and this this human, Jody Nan Hildebrandt. And at the recommendation of his bishop, she was highly recommended by the church. What Adam describes happening after this is really, again, reminiscent of something that Jody's nibbling Jesse had said, who we covered last week, last week. It's the old apologue of the frog jumping into tepid water and slowly turning the temperature up. So the way that Jody operates, the way that she gets people convinced to um, go do these horrific things, 
the fable about the frog is it's like the frog won't jump into a boiling pot of water. But if you leave a nice looking pot of water out for a dried out old frog, it's gonna jump inside. And then you slowly start turning the temperature up, slowly, slowly. And they don't realize they're being boiled alive until it's too late to escape. <sighs> That's sort of what Jody does with the people she sees. Just little by little. Little by little, yeah. So Jesse described how Jody ma- manipulated their parents in this way, which is how they ended up being um, imprisoned by her for a year. Um, Adam describes how Jody manipulated he and his wife the same way. So his extremely light and casual masturbation led them to Jody. Then as he goes to these therapy sessions, these couples therapy sessions, he begins discussing his deeper fears and feelings about the trauma he went through as one is wont to do in therapy. Oh, he's opening himself up. No. Yeah. Yeah, he's opening himself up to someone he does not understand is a beast in disguise. So, you know, he's already has this unhealthy, I'm disgusting for wanting to touch my own penis and privacy. And then he's like, also all of this other stuff happened as a kid. And he reveals to her what she's always looking for with her victim clients, ammunition. Something to grab hold of and twist and twist until the original form is unrecognizable. So Adam basically tells her about his very common PTSD symptoms during a private session, that he has intrusive thoughts, that people will think that he is like a molester because he was molested, that people won't trust kids around him because people look at children who are molested and think that they must also become that or that they're dangerous yeah. now. And that's that what he was called and told his old teenage life from elders. Yes, 100%. And even if you don't grow up, I, I know what it feels like to feel like you're disgusting or broken because of something that happened to you and then feeling like somehow you're bad and people are going to think you're bad. It is so common in that in that response. And so he's he's talking he's opening up to this woman um this is like a pe- relationship where you start going out with a person and they're like just tell me come on open up and then they fucking use that shit against you yeah a little bit like that manipulators yeah manipulators for sure um so ptsd and intrusive thoughts and stress thoughts are complex and they represent a deep generally represent a deep moral compass which is saying, like, I'm worried about be- being bad. I'm worried about being, like, considered harmful. People who actually want to do and hurt those though, in those ways, like in with sociopathy or borderline, have a hard time feeling bad about things. And yeah, they so don't it's think actually, about those things. They just do right. it. They're just bad. And, right. They, they have that mental, you know, affliction. Having those thoughts represents him having a moral compass. Um, which is why you generally, because they're complex and confusing, it's generally why you don't talk about them just like randomly with people who are not mental health professionals, those kind of intrusive thoughts. That's what a therapist is for. And you don't usually want to tell your colleagues or professors at school or your church leaders. It's almost like they shouldn't know those things unless you confess to actually like doing a crime, right? So there's reasons that there are usually... Like therapists don't report 
random thoughts people are having in therapy because they are private. Um, so beyond that, and we'll get to why I'm bringing that up in a second. Uh, beyond that, he would tell her that he felt very othered by people and that he was afraid, again, like people around him would think that he was a pervert. Again, a very common reaction for people who've been raped, especially childhood rape. So a normal mental health professional would not see this as red flags or something to be scared of. And I don't think she actually did see them as red flags. Um, you have to, we have to debate on what Jody thinks about in her mind and how she feels, but Jody is not a normal professional. I will say that she's something else. And as we've seen as a regular pattern now, she will latch on to one thought given over to her by someone in, in, you know, privacy in an intimate moment. And even with a crumb of truth attached to it, even honestly, sometimes not a crumb will twist and twist and twist that vulnerable thought, that vulnerable giving, th you know, emotion over and make that person out to be a sex pervert very specifically. She does this repeatedly. She did it with Jesse. She's doing it to the children of Ruby Frankie right now and to many other people. Everyone becomes a sex pervert, no matter what they come to her for. That person's a sex pervert, a danger, a rapist. So this is something she seems to exclusively do only to men and minor children of any gender. Adult women are victimized by Jody Hildebrand in a very different way. So when Adam and his wife were seeing Jody about the, the quote, sex addiction problems, Adam's wife received a very different form of gaslighting from Jody that would be familiar to many other women in that community. Jody had a specialty with making women afraid of their husbands and breaking marriages up. At which point, the wives would often come work for Jody. Oh, wow. So, Look at that. Yes. So a lot of her clients would become mental fitness instructors for Jody, which is, again, a huge conflict of interest and should never happen. But she would break the marriages up bring the wives in to be in her little circle and then use them up and dump them when they became no, no longer useful to her. So she's just starting her own little cult. I mean, truly, I don't even think that's an exaggeration or hyperbolic. I think that was what her plan was. Um, this was all before connections was formed. That that just was formed in 2020. This was all happening all before this. So even though the, that thing with Ruby Frankie just started in 2020, she has been doing this as a pattern for a long time. The MO is exactly the same. And so it's crazy because saying a lady therapist hates men and breaks up marriages sounds like some men's rights activist shit. But sometimes it's true and it happens. Sometimes men can say something like that and you're like, okay, dude, <laughs> I'm sure you did nothing wrong. But in this situation, Jody is actually doing this to men. Like this does happen sometimes. Yeah, I never want to side with a MRA guy. I find them to be gross. But, you know, there's the clock strikes right. White, wait, the clock strikes strikes correct once a day. Twice a day. Oh, shit. <laughs> I gotta go. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. You're, no, you're right. Like, th there are real instances of men just like saying shit, and they're actually just like not good husbands and parents. Right. But but that and we is, want everyone to be feeling good. Sure. 
And and this can happen too. Like you know, I think we discuss feminism a lot on the show. I consider myself a feminist, but feminism is equality. And to say that women can't be bad is infantilizing and is not feminism because that's saying like women are just like these innocent little babies who can't. That's that's not feminism, right? Feminism he, is equality. Two seconds away from that is like okay, well then you shouldn't vote. Then you shouldn't. You know, you have to wear skirts. And you can't also, control yourself. It's also denying that women can can also be are are capable of doing something wrong. Right. Which they can be sometimes. And so while, you know, I don't I'm not gonna defend every guy who's saying this automatically because many times it's not true. In Adam's case, it is incredibly true. And she did this to a number of men. Oh and, God. Yeah. So I hate that. You know, so it's not often the case that this is like really happening in this way, but you have to understand the gravity of what Jody did to Adam. And in, in, in order to do that, you have to accept that sometimes this is real. Adam is not a men's rights activist. He is a compassionate, loving human being. Like he's a he's a good man. You can like everything about him. And he's got a lot of evidence. So he's not just like saying shit, throwing it on the Internet. He's got a lot of evidence that this is real. So wow. Adam describes that after he and his wife started seeing Jody, they would attend couples group therapy, which again is something that she did with a lot of people. And that initially it seemed pretty normal, even enjoyable to him, which again, I think is how she gets a lot of people in. She can be, to some people, charismatic. We saw this a lot with other, like when we were talking about the IBLP and stuff, we all have our, our, our weaknesses. I personally don't find Jody Hildebrandt charismatic or exciting no. or interesting, but many people did. I honestly think she should have gone to jail f specifically for wearing a three-quarter bell sleeve jean jacket with frayed edges. Right. Oh. Straight to jail for you. Straight to jail. It. I hate it when mean people are nice sometimes because then I'm like, then I'll like take down my guard and then be really nice and then be like, oh, well, maybe they didn't mean it when they yelled mm -hmm. at me. And then yeah. they come back around. I'm like, just be mean all the time. I know. Yeah, it's true. So, you know, for maybe not you or me, we have our own, we, we could find somebody else charismatic and get tricked into something. But for certain people, Jody is that. And Adam described her being funny and like interesting. And she was like, people were having a great time in these group therapy sessions. And it, it felt normal. This went on for weeks. And this is the turning the temperature up slowly. So she builds their trust like two months of like multiple weekly sessions with a big group of couples who are all going through issues as far as already again, the LDS idea of sex addiction is so fucked up. I don't think a lot of these people needed like sex addiction help, but you know, that's where they were in their minds. And so Jody is like, all right, well, I'm helping everybody out. People feel good. And then after weeks would go by of this, he says then the real depravity would occur when she started breaking up the group sessions by sex. So men's groups and women's groups. And he says this is when things would go really, really dark. Uh, when he talked about his normal feelings in those groups, sometimes just one-on-one -on -one with her, she took this opportunity to systematically rip his life apart for the next two decades. Two decades? Yeah. This is him just getting any justice right now. Oh, my God. 
they were they started seeing her in like the mid 2000s. So because he's 41 now. This is a mental prison to break out of. This is like a mm-hmm. Guantanamo Bay of prison yeah. to break out of. And when I say like I feel I feel just like such compassion for this guy. He it's just like there's no reason that he deserved any of this shit. And again, why did she do this? There's no real reason why she's done this to anyone beyond her taking pleasure and hurting people. Or or she really believes that she's a beacon of light in the world, puppeted by she's just simply moving through God and with God because she does tell people that she does she openly says God tells her what to do in therapy. Um Ugh, so she's like she strikes me as like pinhead. You know, I, I mean, she's like Hellraiser. She's a Hellraiser. She is a bad, dark person. And it's again, you could go back and forth all day. Probably that's much more um, for somebody with like a psychotherapy degree or something. But does she think does she believe her things or not? I don't know. I don't know. So he's made it. Adam ha- has made it expressly, extremely clear over and over This is the last thing he wants to do. He doesn't want to keep bringing this around in his life. He, the last thing he wants to do is further connect himself to the idea that anyone would confuse and conflate his trauma with him being a predator, which he is not. Adam uses this great term called the friction of complexity, and this is exactly what Jody does. That is, a story is complex and it sounds salacious enough, people will either shut down or just decide what it means by a headline. It's basically all of the internet and now. It's like what a clickbait is. Right. But but she's been doing this in person in real life for a long time, taking a very con- taking something and confusing it and twisting it up and making it into something that is clicky to make people's lives like just just to destroy men's lives like i don't really know how to say that and Um, women's lives too like the wife could have had a perfectly happy marriage and like kids and now she's a lady divorced in the lds church also in adam also is very expressly clear um in saying that he he the women are also victims in a different way and he actually says even though she turned him into this person he wasn't to the public that the women around her have a harder time than even he did because like he doesn't speak to his ex-wife anymore but and he's like she really did a lot to destroy him too alongside Jody but he feels for his ex-wife because she became so confused by Jody and so like snowballed by her it's very similar to what Ruby Frankie, I think, happened to her, where she was already exploiting her children, but then convinced Jody convinced her to keep going, and then J- Ruby Frankie became so twisted up that she was justifying her children being like tied up and bleeding, like and not being taken into the hospital and stuff anymore. Oh God! So the women are also victims for fucking sure. Um, so he uses this friction of complexity term, and I think that that's a really good way to look at this, is that she, Jody makes it so confusing for people. They're like, I guess he's bad. Uh, why would this? They, they can't wrap their mind around a woman, a therapist, who would want to lie and break apart a, a person for no reason. So they go like, you know what? She's the professional. 
she says it, I guess he's bad. And they just kind of wash their hands of trying to look into it any further. Because if they would look at the evidence all presented at, in front of them, they would be like, oh, oh, I think this woman is very dark and dangerous. But the, fr- the quote, friction of complexity keeps them from really doing that, which is what clickbait is. People don't want to go through and like do all the, the research. It takes a long time. So you see a line and you're just like, oh, whoa, okay. Yeah. Um, it's also just more comforting. Yeah. And that's why the trans kids are making the gasoline prices go up. And that is the end of this episode. No. <laughs> um, yeah. And to conclude, that's why gay people shouldn't get married. <laughs> gay marriage is making, uh, you know, New York City flood. I, I mean, I tell prove me wrong, right? Yeah. You can't I've get said it. You can't. That hell, I talk it, to God. God talks to me, man. He says it right in my ear. That's so, right. Sorry. Florida, sorry. you can't even get insurance on your house because there's so many floods. And that's because gay people. And that's because gay. As this is all taking place, that he's going through this therapy, he's like, okay, she's helping. My wife's feeling happier about things. We'll keep going. Let's do these split up groups. And Adam has opened up about himself at this point. Before Jody like starts sprinkling things into people's minds, she recommends he comes to this guy's only meeting, which he thinks is still marriage counseling. So he's like, yeah, sure. He goes to this group of men. It's not all men he's already worked with. It's this group of guys. Okay, everybody's here for marriage counseling. As he sits in, he realizes... That it is a mixture of guys who have masturbated and and then another mixture of guys who are sexual offenders who have victims. Oh, God. Because, again, it's the same thing. Yes. So here, in just a handful of months, she's already begun the process of conflating Adam with actual predatory behavior. He describes being in these sessions and finding out in real time that he is being seen and compared with sexual predators in this room and being categorized with them. In real time as this is happening, and this would be in the mid-late 2000s, Adam is still trying to keep hold on his sanity. He knows he's not a predator, but he feels extreme LDS guilt and begins to think maybe he is a bad person. Oh, God, I hate this. He describes this here while being interviewed by forensic psychologist Dr. John Mathias, who you can follow uh, him and his wife at Hidden True Crime. So you were a victim of, of, of sexual abuse and she transformed that or wanted to transform that or get you to believe that somehow you were also an offender. And so I, I think what she's saying, what, what I hear you saying is that in, in the case of porn or masturbation, she seemingly is taking that idea and getting people to believe because they're doing that, that they're somehow rapists or could be rapists, right? Is that, I mean, like that type her of first, thing? Her first step is to dislodge people's minds that the actual way that you act out is important. All that matters is the addiction in your head, this abstract idea. Right, Then she okay. starts enticing people with huge feelings of empowerment and yeah. then conflicting it with huge fears, like psychosexual manipulative fears, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. It's like she masturbates you right out of your mind. Wow. And 
I don't mean to say it like that, but it's so gross and creepy. If you say to something, somebody over and over and over again, like it's like when you tell a kid you're going to jail, you're going to wind up in jail. You're a bad person. You there. You know what? They might they end up. They might end all up in times jail. They end, oh yeah, totally true. When when kids are told repeatedly like they're going to end up in the system, guess what happens? Because they you, they fucking told you you're going to. Yeah. Like it's that's what happens. But in this case, like Adam still had never done anything bad. So like, no, he's a victim. Yes, he's a victim who is a victim's advocate who's fought very hard for victims. So what he's describing, though, in this clip is, is a similar things to what Jesse has said, that Jody breaks you down and breaks you down and builds you up and breaks you down and confuses you over and over and over until you don't know who you are anymore. Once this has been accomplished, she begins to shred into his outside world. She begins to share his thoughts, but in ways that she is completely manipulated. She begins to share them with his bishops and no. with the BYU Honor Code Office, his university. Therapists can't do that. They can't. Unless you're going to hurt yourself or others, they can't say shit. There are religious clauses and reasons that they justify it legally because of religious freedom stuff. What? So it's completely fucking insane. But it, it's technically not illegal because of... The freedoms that they have through church shit. So um, don't even get me fucking started, by the way, on the BYU Honor Code office. Oh, what is that? What? Who are these people? Honor it is Code? A, it's, it's Brigham, Brigham Young University has an honor code system. We'll talk a little bit about it. But uh, you're not allowed to do a bunch of different things if you want to maintain your college. And it's not like don't don't rob people. It's like things like... Your appearance, if you end up kissing somebody, like all of these things, they can throw you out of college. What? That's, I went on a date with a guy who went, he just said he went to a religious university and he said if I got caught drinking off campus, even mm-hmm. if I was of age, he said that they had like scouts that would like look and if they find mm-hmm. you, you got expelled. That's, and that's like, what happens in BYU. Do you think he was, did I go on like an LDS date? You I don't quite, know. It's quite possible. There's met, There's so many Mormons, people raised in Mormonism. Really? I did yeah. kiss him and he crashed his car. So I, I think he was like, he didn't know what was going on. He literally crashed his car. Or I mean like mid-kiss? Yeah, I kissed him and he went, oh, great. And then just like slammed his car into another car. Oh my God. I know, I'm sorry. This might be TMI, but that's very real. That does honestly sound like somebody who's been sexually shamed, like truly. Probably. I feel bad for him. It I know, I feel like, bad too. Yeah. He was um, a nice guy, but. Yeah, yeah that sucks. Um, that's because you fucking, you devil woman I'm came in and seduced him. Flashed in my pussy lips. No, I just kissed him. That's it. Your mouth might as well be your pussy lips. That's right. <laughs> you, uh, you demon. Yeah, bitch. I guess this is the point I'm trying to make here. This like long-winded point I'm trying to make is. This is already a religious community that is crea- was created by a literal sex pervert that has terrible ethics and advice written into their doctrine, who is also platforming a complete and utter sociopath who is boosting their already – she is already getting yes-handed by the church, and she is yes-handing the church's doctrines. They are collectively – doing horrible things together. And so because there are no appropriate boundaries with it, with LDS church members and their leaders, and because they were recommending people to her, Jody felt empowered to tell leaders that Adam was a sexual deviant who was afraid to be around children. 
What? I feel crazy just saying the words. How he must have felt when this was happening, I can't imagine it. I cannot imagine. What a fucking bitch. I mean, we, we know that she's a fucking bitch, but like, really, what a fucking bitch. Like, to lie like that and to use his, <clears throat> sorry, and to use his past where he's a victim and use for himself, it against him? for, for herself, for her own fucking sick desires and attention and needs and all that. Uh, uh, it's so upsetting that you would talk to a therapist about your emotional fears that you didn't even do, like, not even, not even confessing to something, just saying the words that you felt like othered by being a sexual victim and then she turns and tells all of the people in your community that you're afraid to be around children and that you're a sexual deviant. Oh. I, oh, that's what we call clickbaiting. Yeah. Right? So you twist that around, suddenly it sounds like you put those words together, oh, he must be molesting children. God, I bet she smells like baby powder and raw chicken. Just like, oh, she probably does. I think that's probably correct. I don't know why. I just smelled that and I was just like, yeah, she definitely smells like that. Um, ugh, but that wasn't all she did. Um, God, we're already so far in. I think we have to finish Adam next week, which was already the plan. But um, God, I hate man. this woman. What a horrible she, person. That's not all she did to him. What? Yeah. There's I mean, more? Yeah. <laughs> There's... Unfortunately, so much more to this. And she had um, other people, like other dudes, too, and women. This this is but one of one of possibly thousands of people, at least hundreds. As Adam says in his interviews, um, you know, like, even if it's not the direct effect, the ripple effect of the people's lives she destroyed affects their families, you know, yeah. like... It's not just the, the husband and wife, it's the children, it's their family members, the people who they get cut out. Even when you look at Ruby Frankie, I don't support her her siblings who have their own family channels. I don't think that they they are necessarily doing good things either, but they they were cut off. That everything that Ruby Frankie and Jody Hildebrandt did affects their lives forever now too. So if you think about the ripple effect in that way also. Um, but I wanna, you know, I wanted to end maybe here, just back to the whole discussing Adam's song. It made me think about how limited in the 90s and 2000s men and boys were to having any sort of access to culture where they were allowed to be vulnerable in any way. And while women, it was absolutely horrible being a woman, even like, I understand now how much privilege I had as a white woman, even though it was still a nightmare for me being white still gave me a, a more like you know privilege and freedom than a, a woman of color would have had at the time but it was terrible for women i say that openly but thinking about it in this way with adam's song because blink 182 grew up in that time yeah i'm bringing blink 182 back into this my um, dad won't let me play video games <laughs> <laughs> but it was like that song is about how feeling like you didn't want to be here anymore and not knowing how to talk to anybody about it yeah and it's not a fixed system now, but I just want to reach out to any guy out there who's listening. I implore you to talk to someone, a trusted person, a counselor, if you can afford therapy, who like has research and has good reviews, please don't right. go to anyone in LDS church. You have to get your demons out. We all have them and it's okay. 
I wish that there were so many times I wish I could have helped men in my life who needed to open themselves up and release the pain and all the poison that lingered in them from childhood. And it's just still so hard for some men to face being abused or accepting that the damage still lingers inside. And I just implore men to just, it's, it's, your life is gonna be so much better if you just get it out of you. No, it's not shameful. It's not embarrassing yeah. to be yeah, hurt. Not a bit. And we grew up with a like limp biscuit break stuff. <clears throat> you know, that like if you have if you're having problems, just like punch drywall, scream right. at people. And that's just not the way to get it out. It's not. It's never gonna make you feel better in the end. Like, don't you want to have a better, happier life in general? Yeah. So a- Adam, you know, he was an incredibly brave person to have faced his abuser as a child, and he was punished for it for decades. And again, I'm a believer in feminism meaning equality. And in that equality, men have to learn to be okay too. I fight for women's rights because I fight for human rights. And we can only get there if we look inward. So right. I, now there's uh, a lot of guys with Andrew Tate and they love that shit. And like I mean, yeah. God. There's always I think every generation's going to have a guy like that, but he's already being arrested for child trafficking or human yeah. trafficking. And I think that that is actually a, a movement in the right direction. Like, I think so too, yeah. We're we're having to look at it in this way. And um yeah, we're going to continue on with Adam's story about what Jody did next week and wrap up where we are with this entire case between Ruby and Jody next episode. Um and I, I'm going to leave it with a little clip of something that Adam said in his now deleted interview that I managed to grab before it got taken down because I think it's really beautiful. And it shows how deeply a beaten down man had to reach into the deepest wells of himself to keep moving forward. But he got through it and he is Ugh. a better person for it now. So I'm going to play this clip leaving out. He is definitely saucy, pert, and greasy. Uh, as well as Amber and I, and um, we'll we'll see you next week to finish out this story. I want to give hope to people that think that they're undateable after all their trauma, or that they can't have a super happy marriage because of all their trauma, or girlfriend or boyfriend or whatever friend, or that they can't have a successful life. And a year ago, someone knocked on my door, a little year and a half ago, this beautiful Egyptian Syrian doctor who thought my apartment, she didn't knock on the door, she thought it was her Airbnb, and she opened the door, she saw me and, she, and the kids, and she slammed the door shut. And yeah, that's my wife now. And she's super happy and she's, she's got her feet on the ground. She grounds me whenever I have trauma, just in two seconds. And, and she means the world to me and I love her so much. And, and now we have this beautiful little baby boy. And so to the long line of predators in my life who've thought they could steal that from me, well, they can and nor can fear. And victims feel that they have no innocence. Find your innocence again. Find good friends and good people and find love and find meaning. And meaning comes from being needed for something that no one else can do. Each one of us is unique. Only when you're doing that gift that you really have do you feel real meaning, that time where you feel like you're your real self. And I promise every victim out there that you will go through a lot of negative feelings and trauma and a lot of people will just try to push it out the window. Embrace it. Pull your triggers so much that they no longer work. Stand up with your chin high knowing it'll cause a hurricane for a while, but afterwards you're going to live in a free world, not in bars and cages with triggers everywhere. 
have a complete different philosophy that truth leads us to freedom. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hi, Max. I wanted to share something with you. I wanted to tell you how grateful I am and how you've embraced your sobriety since day one. I'm grateful for how you changed your life. I'm grateful for the love you have for me. I'm grateful for you. Love, Mom. If your loved one is still struggling with addiction, you might not feel like you'll ever get to grateful. But we can show you how. At Karen, we've helped families overcome addiction for 70 years. So if your loved one is ready for something different, visit caron.org slash lost.